In a world where entertainment is randomly scattered across Wikipedia, and no one can be sure of anything. Citation needed! Two men stand alone. They are Ben Graw, I'm Earth's last hope, and Garth Remington. Does it come with a pickle or is that extra? And word on the street is, they're gonna clean up Wikipedia. Yo, I heard word on the street is, they gonna clean up Wikipedia. And while they're fighting a tide of information, their fans are fighting tides of hot girls hitting on them. You listen to Wiki Review? That's hot. But sometimes you have to go off page to get the job done. I got the internet breathing down my neck because you're rogue hot shot rating system! This isn't a podcast. This is the Wiki Review. I love that your junk gets in on the performance too. <laughs> oh, without my junk, it's meaningless. Why would I want to touch you? You're disgusting. That's a show I'd see twice. Hello and welcome to Wiki Review. I'm Ben Graw. I'm Garth Remington. And on this episode, we're going to throw out the script and we're going to completely make it up on the spot. Yes, I know you're used to the heavily scripted episodes of Wiki Review, <laughs> but on this episode, we're going to improvise while we're doing the Wikipedia page for improvisational theatre. Zoom! <laughs> nice and simple. <Switch. laughs> I think I stood on it. <laughs> no, I was waiting for you to speak so I could do that. But yes, we're going to dive through the Wikipedia page for improvisational theatre. Because a little while ago, I actually went and caught an improv show. And I was really excited because performing in the cast was Wiki Review's own Garth Remington. Oh, wait, that's me. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> Wish I saw it. Well, that's the thing. You can never see you perform improv. Or any kind of performance. Well, video you can. That's true. And you can listen to the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. But live performance? No. Well, I guess if we recorded, if I had my phone out and I was recording it, but then I would have just been seeing it on a phone the whole time. That wouldn't have worked. Improv is something you've recently decided to throw your hand into. You've done stand-up. You've done the YouTube videos that we do. You've done podcasting. Making yourself a full jack of all trades now. Yeah. Jack of all trades, master of none, but greater than any that is one. That's a saying. (laughs) Now, do you think it helps you with other things, though? Because that's one section that they have on this page. Applying improv to life. Could you imagine if we applied stand-up to life? Oh, that'd be a miserable existence. I kind of do in a way. Like, if I'm at a party and I'm in a group of people and I say a really killer joke, I then want to leave that group and go over to another group so I can say that same killer joke, knowing that it will get a laugh. And I... now it's a little more polished. By, like, my fifth group, that joke is mm. killing. And also, you got to read the room of each group. So like this one, I'll say it like it was like, oh, it was the greatest thing ever. The next group, I might say it like, you know, like we got to be respectful because, you know, it was a shame that that happened. But here's my joke. And other people, you know, you put more swears into it. Other people, you make it sound more, you know, intelligent. See, for those who don't really know what we're talking about, the difference between improv and stand up, because I'm assuming there are a few people out there who think that stand up comedians get up on stage and just make it up as they go along. No, they don't. Okay. The process for a stand up comedian starts with a very unhappy childhood and then it progresses through a whole bunch of depression and that's how you prepare for a stand-up gig. Whereas improv, you 
just like go. <laughs> Stand up, you have to write it. You test it and you build up your set that way. No stand-up comedian just gets up and makes it up on the spot. Not even the big and famous ones like Chris Rock or Dave Chappelle. No. Especially not them. No. They have writers that help them. They didn't even write it or improv it. <laughs> Someone else gave it to them. But improv is, well, if it's done honestly, is meant to be made up on the spot. Correct. Yes. And a lot of the time- Improvised, they, one might say. And a lot of the time they take audience suggestions. Which you don't see a lot of that in uh, stand-up, do you? All these jokes can be made up on the spot. All I need to get started is one word for inspiration. I feel if a stand-up comedian did that, it would sound like jokes that came from a joke book. Oh, absolutely. No, stand-up comedy have done well. It looks like it's made up on the spot. Like for every audience participation question, which if you've been to a stand-up show and a comedian's asked you something and you thought, well, that must be improvised. How could he know what I was going to say? Trust me. He has a thing prepared he was going to say anyways, that somehow whatever your answer is, is going to fit into it. It's all a trick. (laughs) So in your like improv performances that you've done, have you gotten audience suggestions on things to perform yet? Yes. Yeah. You saw a particular style, didn't you? Generally uh, the ones I've done, the show will start with one word from the audience. Have you ever gotten one that's just like, oh shit. I've got to tell you, I got to tell you. What are the weird ones? That's all I want to know. When we started trying to get five star reviews on Wiki Review, remember we got the Rubik? five star guy yes we got a, it just said rhubarb 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 a whole bunch of did times did he show up at the show I don't know but what I do <laughs> know is at about the same time that we got a rhubarb review I went to do a show and they're like we need a word of inspiration and of course that word was rhubarb <laughs> That's awesome. And so the whole time in my head, I'm thinking, is that the prick? (laughs) That would have thrown you off for the whole show. Who is this person? I still don't know. If you're the rhubarb person, could you let us know? It's you just to like ease my mind because I don't think you were at that show. It's a weird coincidence. If that is you, that is genius. I clap for you. That's (laughs) full circle. That's amazing. Because just to be inside your head, you would have been like, I'm ready for anything. And he goes, rhubarb. And it's the one thing you were not ready for. Yeah, like, wait, no, no, stop the show. Like, I, I can do it, but first I've got a many things I've got to deal with. Like, are you the guy? you got to tell me if you're the guy. Oh, uh, you're the rhubarb guy. Do I have, like, a stalker? I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. A rhubarb stalker. Well, at least my stalker thinks we're okay, because <laughs> that's what the review says. Five stars. Eh, they're okay. Rhubarb, rhubarb, rhubarb. Oh, uh, it's like you're going to, like, wake up in the morning and in the mirror is just going to be inscribed rhubarb. Exactly. you're going to be freaked out. <laughs> wake up. Yeah, it'll be one of those, like, you know, they do on the mirror, so it only shows up when it's foggy. Yeah. Rhubarb, like when I'm in the shower. Oh, that'll be scary. Oh, what exactly is a rhubarb? It's a plant. Is it like, is it a vegetable plant? Or? Yeah, vegetable. It's think of it like a celery that has taste that you put with custard. Rhubarb's really okay. bitter. With custard. Well, it goes well with custard. Yeah, and rhubarb and custard pies and things like that. And apple and rhubarb tend to go together a lot. Actually, yeah, I think I may have had it. In like you would have, but yeah. it, it's never the main piece of whatever you're eating. Yeah, it's like someone went, oh, there's rhubarb in that, and you go, really? Because I'm tasting custard. And that's why I'm eating it. I think I've had an apple and rhubarb. See, that's yeah. the apple making up. Rhubarb's really bitter. I think it's just a filler. It's like a purple celery that's bitter. <laughs> so what was your sketch on rhubarb? Uh, like, just roughly. <laughs> uh, it was a uh, Laron, so it's hard to say because I didn't even start it. It goes... There's not one scene. My scene was two priests. We were organizing Steve Jobs' funeral and we were trying to make money. So we were talking about being like rolling in the wealth priests. That's what I remember I did. <laughs> And then I think I had a scene where I was the priest telling some guy that his kid was not doing drugs or something and therefore he wasn't allowed in my church. Because he had to do drugs so he could be at need. 
Yeah. Now, here's another thing I'm going to point out. If there's one thing I've learned from my limited time doing improv is it sucks to describe. <laughs> yeah, breaking down actual improv fits is really hard. Yeah, that you won't get the joke. Like with stand-up, it can seem out of place, but you can still retell the joke. Like it's a different format, but you can still like set up punchline. Whereas improv, you go, okay, first you got to remember, okay, they said this, which made us... You describe it, it just sounds really stupid. You had to be there. <laughs> Because I do remember on the improv night that I was at and saw you at, you did have a good sketch that I liked that had you and another guy who, a bit older than you, old enough to be your dad so much that that's the character he played. Or sort of like a fatherly-like figure who was saying that you had learned to be an adult by watching stuff on TV. Oh no, he was my roommate. Was he your roommate? Yes. Oh, I well, that's how like I, that's how I interpret it. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe you're correct. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's how we all interpret it. Exactly. It's all open to interpretation <clears throat> until someone establishes it. Because I got an older figure just because he was like lecturing you about like you learned to be an adult from just watching TV and movies. And then there was another guy who would tap him out, and you would see a movie. And then when the other guy would come back in, you would have done something that related to that movie. Mm. And yeah, that was a really good bit. Now see how it doesn't translate to it description. Doesn't, it doesn't really. Tra- Translate to description, no. Because you got to take on board that there's three people adding to a joke together, which makes it seem amazing. The speed you describe it at can never match what's happening on stage in front of you. <laughs> I'm sure all the listeners are pitching it vividly in their minds. They're all like laughing, going, oh, that's classic improv. Oh, wow. Yes. How could you paint such a picture? But they do quote Stephen Colbert here, which he's quite a famous improv person. He is. He's also one of the most powerful people in the world for many years running. Well, yeah, he does. Or- he has that late show gig now, which is a pretty powerful spot. Oh, sorry. Not powerful Influential He's one of the top 50 influential people Every year Which is weird For a guy who Kind of does a Made up show (laughs) I mean I like him I like him And I like this show But would you ever Listen to the guy And follow what he says Like he's literally Doing the opposite Of what is good And he seems smart He does (laughs) He's got the glasses You don't get those Unless he can read Yeah if he said Jump off a bridge I'd be like I don't know He looks like he knows What he's talking about Give it a shot What have (laughs) I got to lose Stephen Colbert said it Sure Yeah, Him and also John Oliver John Oliver looks smart as well. He That's does. also the British accent coming in. British accent and yeah, the glasses combined, one smart fuck. Is it sad these days with a lot of people where they get their news from comedians I'd... as opposed from actual news people? You say people these days, but when I was in my teenage years, yeah, I used to get my news from comedians. It's the best way, it's the most palatable. Also, it's the best way to ensure you only get the stuff you want to know about. I don't want to hear about some boring tax thing. Tell me the thing where the guy got his balls bitten off by an alligator. That's the news I need. Though the only thing that annoys me about comedy news shows these days is they've become the Donald Trump show. How many times I've seen Seth Meyers start a video with Donald Trump. Yeah, exactly. First words out of his mouth. It's not even making up jokes. It's just repeating what happened. I think we're at the stage now where they're kind of tired. The people who are like, yeah, that showed Trump are kind of over it because they're like, he keeps doing it and nothing happens. It's not funny anymore. But I do think that Donald Trump is going to get reelected because I think they're just stupid enough to do it again. Oh, yeah. I absolutely hands down do. And you can play this to me after when he doesn't win and say, ha ha. And you know what? I'm not going to be too annoyed if I'm wrong about this, to be honest. Hey, everyone was wrong about him not getting elected. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we're all convinced he's going to be in forever now. <laughs> uh, he might be the first one to get a third term. We can't rule that out. Uh, not since Roosevelt has that happened. But on the bright side, that might, just like Roosevelt, it might kill him. But what are the comedians going to do? Because there'll be that peak where he gets re-elected and they're like, ha ha ha, he's re-elected, like jokes. Uh, 
But a year in, it's like, seriously, this is like, how many years of this can we listen to? Eight, it turns out. No, this is just the comedians who were political comedians when George Bush the second was around, who I think were the political comedians when George Bush the first was around. And it's just every time a Republican gets voted in, they're like, oh my God, I have jokes. No, you don't. You're just picking on someone that you don't like. And there's a bunch of people who also don't like them. So they'll agree you're funny, but you're not actually doing anything political or humorous. And it's tiring. And like, I remember at the beginning with Donald Trump, it was hilarious. There were so many things to make fun of that guy. And slowly but surely, it's just gotten old. Like, yeah, all the things still apply. Because when he was first in the running, it seemed like a joke. And then it started to get old, but then he was the Republican candidate. And then it started to peak again when it got to the election, because you're like, well, this is the end of it. You're not going to see him anymore. And then he got voted in. And we all sat there going like, let's see the crazy. This is fun. Even we did an episode on it. We did. (laughs) But it's gotten to the point now where it's like, oh, is this guy still president? Seriously? You've spoken about impeaching him since day one. Before he stepped in, you're like, we're going to handle this. It's like, he's almost made it to the end of the first term. See, all it's showing is if you're a rich guy who doesn't care what other people think, you can be elected president and do whatever you want to a country. And people are stupid (laughs) enough to do that. And in fact, there are people in other countries like Australia who are stupid enough to support him, even though they have nothing to do with that country. Yeah, there is part of me that does think it's funny, though, because I'm removed. Like, I don't live in America. If it was happening in this country, I'd be way more annoyed by it. Fortunately, we've got much better politicians who are all so upstanding and looking after us. (laughs) I really love that Australia has sorted out its political agenda and not done something stupid and crazy and elected in one bad prime minister after another. (laughs) I don't even know who the prime minister is these days. It chops and changes. By the time this episode comes out, it's someone different anyway. We've made a point to stop naming prime ministers. It's like they all want to turn. They are shot too. (laughs) But no, Stephen Colbert, as we started on with this, it has a quote from him in here, which he said on some commencement address. Well, you are about to start the greatest improvisation of all with no script, no idea what's going to happen, often with people and places you've never seen before. And you're not in control. So say yes. And if you're lucky, you will find people who will say yes back. Is that tied into improv? It's funny that he says say yes rather than yes and, but I get how that's relevant to what he's saying. I guess he's saying, you know, be positive and maybe you'll find some other positive people. Well, that's the thing in improv that I noticed is it always builds, it never takes away. Like if you come up to me and go like, hey, you, my brother, I meant to go, yes, we are brothers. I don't go, you're a crazy person. I'm not your brother. Mm, That's bad improv. Though you can get a good laugh off doing that. Have you ever seen anyone who shut down a scene got a killer laugh, but it's completely stopped the momentum of the whole thing? Oh yeah, a lot. (laughs) And I promised them I'll stop doing it soon. Exactly. (laughs) That's kind of my shtick. (laughs) So at any point in this episode, did we start by saying what improvisational theater is? Or did we just like assume that everyone's on board or is at least caught up by now? I don't know. Well, if you don't know. Whose line is it anyway? Yeah, there you go. Whose line is it anyway? Improv theater is what it sounds like. It's theater that's improvised. Often comedy too, but apparently not always. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a whole non-comedic part of it. Do you reckon you could do non-comedic? No, you don't have to finish that sentence. (laughs) Non-comedic anything. Yeah, no. What would it even be an improvised... Like, how would you even do a serious improvised drama or something like that? It feels like it wouldn't be as good. At least in the comedy one, they have jokes. But then that's like saying, well, comedy is better than drama. Well, it is. Yeah, (laughs) it is. Yeah, that's the end of it. They just say, you're a doctor and you're going to tell him that his wife's about to die. Go. Try and make it not funny. Well, then I just literally say the thing. I'd be like, I'm a doctor. Your wife's about to die. Doctor, no! (laughs) What is she dying of? 
Cancer. Cancer, no! That's the one thing she can't die from. Are you sure? Have you checked the results? I have, I'm looking at the CT scan now. Not the CT scan! (laughs) (laughs) See how hard it is to resist? It's hard to do it without laughing, yeah, definitely. That's what you'll find most regular actors. I know that we normally just deal with comedic actors, but there are like, you know, people who do actual acting, you know, legitimate theater. You know the people who look at drama like the real acting? Like, you know, trying to be something real instead of a joke? Yeah, those people, they all do non-comedic improv. Where do you think improv falls in like the hierarchy of entertainment? Because we're definitely above mime. We're, we're way above, above mime, mime, ventriloquist, and uh, magic. You reckon magic? Because magic is the one that I think is a close game. Because there are famous magicians. Like you got your David Copperfield. Well, this is where we got to be very careful with how we tread. Because <laughs> it's agreed that stand up is above magic. Yes. Yes. So therefore, I'd say improv is above magic. Would stand-up be above improv? Ooh. Ew. See, that depends on... Or am I entering into, like, some turf war here? I think you're entering... It's... Because I I know what if I'd ask the stand-up comedian, most of them would say that. (laughs) Yeah. And we know if we ask improv people, we get the opposite. And if you've watched any movie by any comedian ever, they're happy to take a swipe at improv. Mainly because stand-up is a bunch of highly defensive people who just stand on a stage by themselves to defend against the world and they want to, they think everyone's trying to take him down because I do whereas improv they're like nice and supporting see the problem with stand up is stand up is not like dramatically high on the entertainment hierarchy anyway because you have like movie and TV actors way above mm. them which and this is why musicians are above stand up comedians well this is where it's hard to say because most comedic <coughs> actors and mm. comedic writers have a background in improv not stand up in fact stand ups tend not to do very well when they have to act <laughs> look at Jerry in uh, Seinfeld. <laughs> oh, look, I should preface this by saying I'm not trying to take a swipe at anyone who does this, any of these industries, except for mimes. If you do mimes, you're wasting your life. But hey, um, like, <laughs> yeah, that's a big part of all kinds of acting and drama. And I've, I may have done lessons with mimes and they're good people. I haven't. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is just Ben Grohl's opinion that <laughs> yeah, I, as much as I've hung out with mimes, they've never said a bad word about <laughs> you. That's true. Yeah, I bet you feel bad now. I mean, if you are a mime, write in. I guess you can do that. And I'm pretty sure you upset him because I saw him like sort of like run a finger from his eye down his cheek while he made a sad face. I'm pretty sure that means he's crying, but he doesn't want to ruin his makeup. Actually, mimes, if you want to be above somebody, those people who stand and pretend to be statues. Yeah. You're above them. You're definitely above them. You're both silent, but at least you move. And he doesn't even pretend to have stuff he doesn't have. Everything that he pretends to have, he actually has. That's not pretending. I mean, also to show I'm not taking any shots at anyone, let's throw in Podcaster. Where do you think Podcaster fits on this rank? Oh, well... Because we're going below improv for that, definitely. Yeah, so uh, I think Podcaster falls under audience... <laughs> Audience at an improv show They have more creative input to the world than- They do Well also Because you could go to any show in the world Doesn't matter what the show is If you go up to the audience and say Hey does anyone here have a podcast? What's the bet? Like 50% of the people put their hand up Yeah Everyone's got a podcast It doesn't mean anything That's It's more like being a citizen See I think we fall under like a bigger heading Which is internet celebrity And <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Oh, anyone could be an internet celebrity. So it's pretty low down on the list. Oh, okay. okay. Yes. <laughs> 
So in that you have like people who are like big on YouTube, which we yep. do a little, but not much. Well, there's different levels. Yeah. There's the people who are famous despite what they intended. Yeah. There's Instagram models. And then way down the bottom is podcasting. Like oh, I yeah. think we're the bottom of the internet famous. I think you're right. Yeah. So whatever yeah. internet famous is, we're down the bottom of that subcategory. And that's somewhere down the bottom of all the categories. <laughs> but it's above mime. I'm staying by that. At least we talk. Yes. That's something. <laughs> At least people uh, can see them. They got the visual. Maybe we should uh, try and hook up with some mimes or something. So like we could like collaborate. Like we'll do the voices and they'll do the, the movement. <laughs> I would love that actually. If someone had a video where it was playing the podcast and they were lip syncing as you and I. That's great. And yeah, we're miming it out. That's awesome. Like we're already doing our part. So if you're a mime and you're listening to this, just play it somewhere and be us. I think that would be great. It would probably make me retract my statement I said against mimes. I'd be like, this is crazy. This is entertaining. Well, then that's a mime cast, isn't it? If you could do it for every episode, we would replace the original podcast with just that. Although if they do it well enough, everyone would be like, why is this guy in white face like doing the voice of two people? Like we forget that it's us. They don't even know it's us. They're just like, there's this guy. He wears a beret and he puts white makeup on. He does the perfect impression of two different guys. He doesn't even sound like that. How does he do it? We should give him a million dollars. See, I thought it was two mimes. Really? There'd be like a Ben mime and a Garth mime. I saw in my head a dude doing like the hands talking at each other. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't so think much. puppetry. Yeah, I don't think much Ooh, of us. Where does puppetry fall? Ooh, are we talking hand puppets or are we talking marionette? Because there's All right, well, puppets. The, there's okay. the hierarchy of puppets. Well, that that's a subcategory then. Okay. So you got in puppets. I would say that marionettes are above hand puppets. And finger puppets at the bottom. Oh, no, up the top of puppets, Muppet. Muppet, oh, yeah, yeah. Muppets are at the top. Yes, Muppets are at the top, where you have the sticks that move the hands. When you're underneath it and you do a whole bunch of, like, crazy movie stuff, when there's, like, bike riding and stuff involved in your puppets, you're a Muppet, and that's puts you at the top. only way you will get a TV show about puppets is if they're Muppets. So, yeah, puppetry, I think, again, above mime. (laughs) Yes. Poor mime this episode. I know. I'm trying to help you guys. Oh, oh, but what... I would it's a miming puppet. A miming puppet. Okay, so there's no speech, and it literally is a puppet that's a mime doing the box thing. Is that below mime or above mime? Because it is a puppet. Does but the it's person a- talk? Can you see the person? There is no noise. This is a mime done by a puppet. I would still find that more entertaining than actual mime. <laughs> you feel it takes more skill to move the puppet to do what the mime does? Even though it probably takes less. No, actually, it'd be really hard to do. Like, you have know, to do the rope pulley thing, like, in the wind that'd be really hard to do with a puppet though we did mention ventriloquism before and that would fall into the puppet subcategory it is but that's the talky puppet because I would put that probably still under Muppet but yeah it's definitely below Muppet it's way below Muppet yeah Muppet just rules the puppet category that's some good branding there but I would put puppets below improv so improv is better than puppets oh definitely but what if it was an improv puppet show um <laughs> see when you start mixing things you know what I think when you do a something it takes on the characteristic of the weakest form. Because I do know someone who did an improv puppet show. Okay, so I think that that would be as good as a puppet show, not as good as an improv show. I think it takes on the quality of the lesser. I don't think it adds on. No, that makes sense. What about juggling? You're going to pick on all my friends today, aren't you? <laughs> I don't know. 
I'm just trying to think of obscure entertainment things. Because juggling comes under that vaudeville of it's a talent, but you can't just go around the world juggling. You need something more. Like if I said to you, hey, there's going to be like a juggling show. You want to pay 40 bucks and go to it and spend a night watching some guy juggle? You'd be like, what else is there? No, just juggling. Doing some balls and stuff, you know. Like I wouldn't go to a show to watch a guy juggle, but if I was walking down the street and some dude juggling had a hat out, I'd throw a couple of bucks in. So you feel it needs a more aggressive marketing strategy (laughs) is what you're saying? I just figure it needs to be something I give a cursory glance to because how long is juggling entertaining for? Probably about 20 seconds. After I've seen it for 20 seconds, I get the point. Yeah, look, you didn't drop him. Good job. See, I'd say juggling can be a part of a bigger show. It's like dancing. If you go to see a musical, you want to see dancing, singing, Mm -hmm. acting, a whole thing. If you just went there and there's just someone standing there singing, you'd expect a bit more unless they were an actual musician and then there's a whole different show. But then they've written the music, blah, 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 blah. See, I think with dancing, that's pretty low down on the list. It can only be used in conjunction with something else. If you have a singer or a band, dancing is good. By itself, dancing's pretty lame. There's a whole spectrum here. If you're a Russian ballerina, like the czar will pay you a bazillion dollars and you are the greatest dancer that could ever happen and people will respect you for the rest of your life. The other side, if you want to make some real money, you could be a stripper, have a bunch of horny guys grope you. I mean, that's an audience. They're happy to see it. All right, so where does stripper fall on the hierarchy now? Well, this is the thing. Because they make money. That's the big difference. Does it beat everyone else? Because show me a stand-up comedian that makes as much as a stripper. None. (laughs) In fact, I'd say anyone in comedy doesn't, which we were talking before about drama. Do you think strippers fall under the drama category? Like, because they're not being funny. So is it a dramatic act that they're doing? No, I think we're just straight to porn. Yeah, this is just falling (laughs) under the ogling, like, naked ladies thing, yeah. That should be how the new symbol, they should have comedy, drama, and porn. And the porn should just be, like, this hard penis coming out. I feel like that's, like, a triangle graph where at (laughs) all points, everything is in the triangle somewhere. (laughs) How much drama, how much comedy, how much porn? (laughs) It's got to fit somewhere in that Venn diagram. Mm. Like, because a rom-com gets closer towards just comedy and drama. But, like, most comedy films that you see, there's a bit of porn in there. They have to show boobs at some point because they don't think they're funny enough. But then there's no drama involved. I think that triangle would work. You could probably place every movie somewhere in that triangle. I'd like to make a movie that hits dead center. So it's just equal parts porn, drama, comedy. Knock, knock. Who's there? My boobs. My boobs who? Also, I have cancer. Oh, that'd be the best movie ever. (laughs) See? Greatest joke ever told, all three of them at once. I see this. There was this woman, Joan Littlewood, who is in England, and she directed stuff in the 1950s and 60s, doing improvisational performances. And she was prosecuted because there was a law in England at the time that scripts being performed had to be approved by the government. Mm. And if you didn't perform that script, you could be fined or even arrested. But there was no script. It was purely improvised. So they submitted a script and said, yeah, yeah, this is the script but that's not what they performed they just made it up and she got arrested on two different occasions would you go to jail for improv hell no (laughs) you guys are on your own oh my god wouldn't you hate being in your cell where someone's like i stabbed a guy i went off script (laughs) i think we know who's got the top bunk in this cell I do like the idea of you going, I went off script. And then this murderer goes to the bus. Let me out of here. Can't leave me in here with this crazy person. He looks back at you and goes, are you going to kill me? Yes. And. (laughs) (laughs) Why do they put the murderers in with the real criminals? That whole yes and thing that improv is known for. Is that something that's like big in the improv thing or just something that people who don't know much about improv know? Yes to both. both. It's the basis of all of it. Yeah. Mm. But over 
oversimplifying it, essentially. It is kind of a simple thing. Like, it's not oversimplifying because it's simple to start with, I guess is the way to put it. It means if I say something, don't put me down and then add something to it. Agree with me and then add something more. But agreeing is agreeing to the offer, not agreeing to blah, blah, blah. There's a whole bunch of... You know what? Yes and means, like, just say yes to everything and then say something else. Well, in the show that I saw that you were doing, you guys just started doing random sketches. How did those get started? Does it just one person gets an idea and just jumps out into there or do you have organized whose turn it is to jump out and okay as the recently initiated in this because i am in no way an expert on any level and i don't think anyone's ever claimed me to be i was never in danger of being accused of that but there's so i'm more just talking about in your specific show that i Uh, saw that show you saw is more premise based which means that like you think before you do something whereas there are other shows where you literally just go on stage and whatever happens happens might get my cock out that one that's a premise based so the idea is you have an idea you go out and then you try to telepathically communicate to the other person what your idea is Mm -hmm. on stage in front of everyone and hope that they get it and as the other person you're trying to receive that mental mail that they've sent through their mind to you and try and figure out what it is they're doing that's what I did notice about it is something that in a movie I usually hate is when someone goes oh hello it's you my brother and you're Mm -hmm. just like ugh why is that in the script but in improv I understood it because you you see the actor go like oh I'm your brother alright boom I'm on it's like there's gotta be a lot of exposition in that very first thing that you say when you're introducing a bit when you're uh, establishing the platform uh, (laughs) fancy words (laughs) and some people do have really long winded like hey it's you we knew each other from school and then you left and that's Mm. when I didn't leave they go through this whole thing okay cool I I I guess I know the exact scene we're doing now I can think of a time we did because we've always been good at this Um, we improved I remember we were watching the movie Men Who Stare at Goats and a friend of ours came into the room while we're watching it now at that time on the screen um, when she entered the room and this girl I don't want to say she's ditzy but I can't think of a more gender neutral word to say she's ditzy (laughs) so she walks in the room and at the time she walked into the room on the screen happened to be the scene where they had a goat in the movie Men Who Stare at Goats so the goat was on screen and she came in and she goes oh what's this movie and I said oh it's Men Who Stare at Goats and you from across the room went yeah it's just been 20 minutes of this goat on screen (laughs) and she went oh really and back over to me yeah yeah it's only that you've come in here it started moving like other stuff started to happen we were wondering and that's when we essentially improved a scene completely unrehearsed no one had this we're gonna fuck with this girl chat beforehand we just decided we're gonna do that and the other person caught on yeah 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 men hysteric goats it's just been this goat (laughs) yeah yes and the only reason more stuff's happening now is because it just started happening. <laughs> yes! And... <laughs> When you were telling that story, there was part of me that's like, I don't quite remember that, but that day sounds exactly like something I would say. <laughs> I've done that before. If you walk in and I'm halfway through a movie and you ask me what it's about, there is a 90% chance I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever's on the screen now is going to be a story about it. <laughs> I've had a game that I've played with Shannon for years. We have Netflix, so it will come up on screen and it will say the list of episodes and they all have those episode titles and so they're usually like words or just quick sentences and I've got to try and get down through the whole 
whole list by trying to work it into conversation. Ah, do you have to say the name of every episode in a sentence? In a sentence, in order. I can work them together or say something. So I have some weird and bizarre conversations with Shannon where she's looking at me. She catches on now where you see her like look at the screen and <laughs> Wait see the last second. like five minutes of our conversation. I like the idea that she's sort of like, like something just like clicks and like it's kind of an odd thing to say. Like it makes sense, but it's kind of an odd phrase. Oh, Ben, you son of a bitch. Because that's part of the thing. I can't do it too quick. So sometimes this is over like a 15 minute period. <laughs> I've just got to bring up things that work everything into this before <laughs> she catches on. Oh, that's cute. So you wouldn't go to jail for improvising. You would have stuck to the script. Look, I ain't going to jail for nobody. If someone said, look, if you don't stand up for stand up, you will go to jail, but stand up will disappear. If you don't stand up for it, you know what? No more stand up. <laughs> it's done. If someone said, you know what? We're going to eliminate humor. It's like a communist country or something. I assume that's where humor goes to die. And they're like, you know what? We're going to eliminate humor. You can save it, but you have to spend one night in jail. I'm like, you know what? Drama. I'm just going to watch sport and people dying of cancer now. <laughs> I ain't going to jail for nobody. Yeah, going to jail for art doesn't seem fun. I'm not even sure what I would go to jail for now I'm thinking about it. I wouldn't even want to go for crimes I've already committed. <laughs> I mean, let alone things I believe in. What would be the, the minimum for you to go to jail? The line where you go, all right, you know what? That's enough. I have beliefs in this and I'm willing to stand up for them. How long do I have to go to jail for? Let's just start at the very minimum. Night in jail. I mean, does monetary gain count? Because like if someone's just like- No, no monetary gain. But oh, just it a can- belief. It can prevent a loss, but not create a gain. Uh, I can't even think of anything I would sign a petition for, <laughs> let alone spend a night in jail. Uh, we don't care about things enough to make a stand. If you ever see either of us at a protest, you'd know we're like, it's a joke. There is no way I care enough about something to get up and leave my house with a sign. I probably got to put a hat on, sunscreen, because I'll get sunburned. I'm going to go stand there next to a pack of assholes who believe in something. You think I want to hang out with a bunch of protesters worst people ever not a joke amongst them you're gonna be standing there like yeah you rock up like oh, i i believe the same thing as you they're not gonna be like oh cool let's get croissants they're gonna be like yeah this sucks and i'll be like yeah, it's just a lot of hate see i have always wanted to go to a protest but as soon as police start showing up and smashing people's heads i'm out i'm like i'm going home <laughs> they went that way officer i mean i say i would like to go to a protest but i would get bored within like 30 minutes i reckon mm-hmm. i'd like to go to a protest for 30 30 minutes. I feel like the only reason to go to a protest is to mock the protesters. It's an opportunity where they're there. They're saying, we're going to be here and we're really angry about things. Don't you kind of want to prod at them? <laughs> Apparently there's this no McDonald's day or something, some anti-McDonald's day that a bunch of hippies decided there's a day of the year where they all protest outside McDonald's. So they were going around the city protesting at each McDonald's. You know, they planned out their route and I made sure to be at pretty much every Mac has eaten some chips while they were there. <laughs> yeah, hippies do hate McDonald's. They don't think things through. Like, they're doing this whole, like, McDonald's is death because of the cows they kill. But then a dude was dressed up as Ronald McDonald and he had, like, a cow bone with the meat on it still. And he's, like, using it as, like, a little, like, chanting stick. I'm like, well, you killed that cow. No, I found this on the side of the road. (laughs) (laughs) This cow died of natural causes, I can assure you of that. Dude, if he's that extreme to dress up as Ronald McDonald, you know there's a good story behind that cow bone. (laughs) He didn't just go to Woolworths and get it because Woolworths probably is committed crime. 
crimes as far as he's concerned too. It's- he's protested every place and said every place that sells meat is murder. He's like, how can I stick to my convictions and still acquire a cow bone? There's a story behind this that I want to hear. I feel like that's the kind of drama that could win an Oscar, you know? Like, that's a Cannes Film Festival winner, standout, spectacular. The man with no sense of humor who finally has to deal with his own convictions. I love it. Which I do wonder, though, what is the point of protests like that? Because you went to go get McDonald's every time you saw it. You tell me the story, and the first thing that crossed my mind is, ooh, I could go for some McDonald's right now. (laughs) It makes you want McDonald's more. I guess that's why McDonald's doesn't bother, like, fighting the protest. They just, oh, yeah, yeah, you guys are cool. Hey, some of them are bound to get a small fries while they're here. Yeah, you might get thirsty, need a thick shake. We gotta help you out. You look tired protesting. <laughs> Do you need a drink? Uh, could you imagine, like, protesting out the front for McDonald's and then after a while you're just like, God, I'm getting hungry. hungry? <laughs> Why can't we protest something, like, that I hate? No, Kale! Death to Kale! Kale kills people! That I could stand behind, because no matter how long I protest or what happens, I'm never going to turn around and go, you know what, I really need to eat some Kale now. Never going to happen. Because the whole time you're protesting, you'd be able to smell the burgers, right? Exactly. That salt wafts through the air. Yeah, we're only human. I remember there was a protest in the city not long ago where a couple of people glued themselves to the bitumen. Yes, that on was... On a road. Yeah, the Adani people. That's... They wanted to stop a mine or something and somehow gluing themselves to a road helps. Well, I have one question for them. How many horses have to die for your protest? <laughs> oh, oh, we, we want to watch out for the environment, but not the horses. All right, yeah, we'll just make glue out of them. We'll just mm. throw all the chewed up and processed hooves on the ground. Just waste it. Disgusting me you people see I think that there's a moment for those people where they're putting the glue on themselves and like oh this is gonna be so awesome people are gonna be so pissed (laughs) an hour later they're like wow this is a really bad idea my nose is itchy I can't (laughs) how did they glue themselves by the way I don't know exactly because I was told that this happened and saw little clips on the news but I assume it was a team effort there was probably someone who was the gluer who put the glue on them because I can't imagine the glue actually sticking to the pavement Like, it sticks to human skin better than anything. That's how it was designed. Mm. Because it was originally made for the first Iraq war for field medics to on-site heal up wounds. So it sticks to human skin more than anything. Oh, yeah, they're still picking it off. Like, you know, when you (laughs) use super glue, you get a little little on their fingers. Imagine the whole back of your body. Oh, You'd be picking that off for years. You would. You have to wait for it to grow out. That's the only way to get rid of it. And little bits of bitumen stuck to you. I don't see it would stick to the bitumen properly. Like, I feel like you could have just pulled them up. Would it have been like a liquid nails or... Maybe that was it. It was like cog or something. Something to Mm. stick to it. Or maybe even some sort of concrete. But it would have to be like really quick dry to... Oh yeah, like the... What do they call it? Uh, Rubber cement. I don't know, but it doesn't seem right. I don't know how that's going to solve mining in northern Queensland. (laughs) But to answer your original question, why do people, you know, get into the makeup of, you know, the Ronald McDonald's? Why do these people do this protest? There's one simple answer. To get laid. (laughs) It's a bunch of guys. They're not that physically inclined. They're not the football star at school. They're not the educated guy who's going to solve world hunger. They're not going to become an engineer. They've got dreadlocks. That's what they're going with. They got dreadlocks. They got a nose ring. They've got this whole I don't wear shoes vibe. And this is their shtick. They're going to show women that they care. And women are going to go, wow, he's so passionate about this. He must be 
attractive. That's why men do it. Why do women do it? I don't know, to see how far they can make men do stupid things. Oh yeah, I really care about this mine in Northern Queensland. If you really find me attractive, you should glue yourself to the cement. I love the idea of like, there's some pretty hippie girl standing on the side of the road while these guys are glued to it, just looking at them going, wow, I can make men do anything. Exactly. <laughs> what a power trip. This is awesome. Cause I gotta admit that if I could convince you to glue yourself to the bitumen in the city in peak hour traffic, I would feel like rich with power. I could, yeah. I could probably make you do anything if I could talk you into that. You'd walk forward <laughs> with a bit more confidence from that day. Like I'm pretty cool when it comes to like haggling. I'm like, well, what's the price? Can you do any better? Okay, fine. I asked. But if I made someone glue themselves to the cement, I'd be like, give it to me for free. <laughs> Well, no, sir, we need to make a profit. No, 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 I get it for free. I'm I'm pretty sure I can get it for free. Look, do it or I'm going to make you glue yourself to the road. <laughs> Here's some photos of previous victims. This guy wanted to sell the car for too much. <laughs> He's glued to the cement and I have his car. <laughs> I have always wanted to do a meta protest though, which was protesting, protesting. Which this does actually happen, but not on the humorous level that you're talking about. Whenever the KKK does a protest, you know, white power in America, um, there's always an anti-white power rally next to it, yeah. which is great for the cops because the cops have to stand between them while they throw balloons filled with piss at these white supremacists. And the poor cops have to be in between them getting piss on them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see why they get mad in those situations. But yeah, it would be nice to do a, a meta, like... I'd like it to be over something that's like, who cares? Like, why are you even protesting? Like the most inconsequential protest. See, I've always wanted to protest protesting, get all the permits. That's <gasps> yes. the important part. So the government gives me permission to protest there. I inconvenience a bunch of people and I go, how inconvenient is this? Our government gives me the right to do this. This is a waste of your time. This is a waste of my time. And yet people are allowed to do this for pointless, stupid things just like this. I know that I, this, I'm wasting your time. You know I'm wasting your time. Why am I allowed to do this? What if I had a hard-on for Wales? How much more would I be wasting your time now? <laughs> I could be showing you gross pictures of unborn children right now. <laughs> like I showed like them gross pictures of unborn children. This is all legal. I'm allowed to show you this in the street. This is disgusting. <laughs> I do not approve of this. People should not be walking down the street and have to look at something like this. Sir, look at this. Look at this. You should have the right not, not to, to look, look at, at this. this. <laughs> It'd be the greatest protest ever uh, It's almost like a performance art piece It is It's also Not only is it the greatest piece of performance art I've, I've ever thought You've ever thought of It's also the greatest way for a really right wing dictator To take <laughs> over the country Like if you get enough people around the country to do that People will go Alright clearly we need some like laws about protesting Because this is getting a little silly We all thought it was good to have the right to protest But this is wasting everyone's time over nothing So let's ban protesting Boom! Third Reich. And then how do I protest the banding of protesting? Because well, I would love to play both sides. Yeah, yeah. This is the next level to the meta. So you get permission to protest about protesting. I will get permission to protest about protesting the protest. <laughs> so then while well, you're stopping traffic going, this is a waste of time. I'll rock up and go, this is a waste of time. And I will protest your protest on protesting. But what no one knows is around the corner, there's another fella coming in to protest my protest and the 
protest in the protest. Yeah, because he, although he doesn't agree with me, he still thinks that you shouldn't be telling mm. me that I shouldn't be saying that. That's right. Because I believe that you have the right to protest, <laughs> but you don't have the right to protest a protest. And that's why I'm protesting. But he thinks you don't have the right to protest. So he's protesting the protest of the protest. All right, I'll just wait for we everyone's eyes to uncross. <laughs> See, we'd do it as a comedy bit, protesting, we'd get banned and then there'd be no more whales. And we'd somehow get blamed for that. And I'm like, I just thought it was funny. Which, that's the kind of internet infamy I would prefer over, like, podcasting. Still higher ranked. Hey, isn't that oh. that guy who killed all the whales? Ah, oh, cool. Hey, isn't that some podcasters? Puh! Go away, scum! I've always thought that the world is going to be ending and someone would look at me and go, Ben, this is your fault. Why did you do it? And I'd be like, I just thought it was funny. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what I did, but I swear it was funny. <laughs> I thought it would be a laugh. See, I have the exact opposite. When the nuclear bomb goes off and everything's like exploding and I can see the end coming towards me, I know my last thought's going to be, I bet I get blamed for this. <laughs> Whereas at least you got to do something that caused it. I'll probably be blamed for your mess that you created. That's a good out. I'll be like, actually, if you think about it, it's Garth's fault. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> it doesn't matter if I did something, you went far away. Yeah, somehow I've got a hand in it somehow. You're not completely innocent. Those hands aren't completely clean. Either I talked him into it <laughs> or somehow he's manipulated me into admitting it was my fault. And I'm stupid enough to be proud of that. So you'll be like, yeah, the world ended. It was Garth's fault. I'll be like, damn straight it was. Ooh, I was looking at this under psychology of improvisational theater. You have, what does it say? The actors go into alternate states of consciousness in the 14 dimensions of change. Do you want to hear what the 14 dimensions are? Yes. You have attention, perception, imaginary and fantasy, that's one. Inner speech, memory, higher level thought and processes, meaning or significance of experiences, time experience, emotional feeling and impression, level of arousal, self-control, suggestibility, body image, and sense of personal identity. Going back to arousal, because that's the only one that's sort of stood out. Do you get aroused when you're doing improv? What's the... <laughs> to see all the male actors with, like, hard-ons on stage. <laughs> What's that joke? I forget who does that joke, but I think of it at least once a week. I don't always cry when I masturbate, but I always masturbate when I cry. <laughs> Funerals. I'm still trying to understand what these dimensions are and that because I, I see level of arousal right next to self-control. <laughs> you got to have self-control if you're going to have a higher level of arousal. You can't just be groping everyone. Those things, they belong together. You can't have one without the other <clears throat> or the level of arousal just keeps on going. I assume that what it means is these are the states that if you're pretty much acting in anything that you want to experience as your character and they include a level of arousal in there. Let's say you're doing a sketch and there's some girl and she's like oh my husband so you're playing her husband now so as that character you have to feel attracted to her okay one further uh, last week I did a show where I proposed to a guy because I was in love with his voice I don't know if he was a guy in the scene or if I was a guy in the scene because this is the next thing too because I mean the, the level of arousal you're doing a scene with say the most attractive woman in the world to you obviously she so, 
<laughs> so you guys are doing a scene. But in the scene, she's not her. She's like some trucker guy. He's like really old and gross and mean. You have to counteract your level of arousal to be appropriate to the trucker. Okay, so doing it the other way around. So if it was someone who I was aroused by being like, ew, gross. I don't want that. Exactly. Show some self-control. <laughs> because that's your sense of body image and personal identity. See, I could imagine how that could be a funny comedy sketch, though. If you did have a guy and there was an attractive girl who was playing a trucker, but everyone in the audience just goes, it's an attractive girl. And then watching this guy be like, ew, gross, as she's like hitting on him. <laughs> just over and over. And like, he's like, why would I want to touch you? You're disgusting. I feel like that's a good pull quote situation yeah. <laughs> where it's, if you were to chop off the first 10 seconds of a scene, suddenly you've got a really funny improv scene. Yeah. Hello, I'm a trucker. Okay, cut that out. <laughs> ew, you're gross. Wow, look at this guy. He could never get a chick of that caliber. <laughs> like she could do so much better. He's lucky she's even talking to him. So when you were proposing to this man with the voice who you were in love with. Yes. Were you so in depth as that character that you actually- I felt, felt a tingle, yeah. That's true method, man. There was there was some movement in there. <laughs> like, not like, you know, I have to completely readjust because it's now like above rather than below. But like, did I do that stretch your leg out just to move the underwear so that, you know, things can breathe where they need to be? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> And then as soon as they go scene, it goes back to normal. And then it just resets. <laughs> not less, not more. I'm not repulsed as it goes in. It just sets back to neutral. I love that your junk gets in on the performance too. <laughs> oh, without my junk, it's meaningless. If people are trying to figure out what's your motivation this scene, just look at my junk. I mean, there is part of me that I believe in acting is that you should try and make yourself feel what your character feels. If you're doing a scene where you're angry, try and get angry and then perform. Yes. Because if you're really angry, you're going to do all the stuff you mm. normally do when you're angry. Oh, here's something fun from improv that I learned about what you're just saying. There's two ways. There's from inside out or from outside in. What you're talking about is from inside out, where you try to get angry and therefore you will act angry and people will see you as angry. But the other way is to put on a posture of someone who is angry. Best example I could give is, uh, you know, put your shoulders down and look down and then like don't make eye contact with people. You'll start to feel nervous and anxious because the body is is you're doing a behavior that the body recognizes as nervous. So you can actually make yourself angry by putting on the posture of someone who is angry. Is that the advice where if you're feeling sad, just smile and eventually you'll feel happy? That's exactly what I'm telling you. Yeah. See, I've heard advice on doing things like that, but the one that it always falls apart with me on is have you heard of the Superman pose where you put your hands on your hips like Superman and look up in the same pose that he iconically does and that's meant to make you feel good so if you were just about to go out and do a performance you would do the Superman pose and you would go out feeling like Superman would that work though because that sounds hokey and I've never tried it because I was scared of looking ridiculous I can tell you it doesn't work for me because I put my hands on my hips I'm like god I'm fat (laughs) Superman's not this fat yeah Superman had abs that's why he felt good when he did it yeah that's why he could puff his chest up and be like yeah whereas I'm like god I'm pudgy I can't even feel my I'm still trying to get to my hips going through a spare tire here. I hope I don't have to go on stage or have anyone see me. Oh, crap. 
crap, I'm warming up for a show. Yeah, no, that does not work for me. What really makes me feel confident to do the outside in thing is if I can get a bunch of people just be like screaming my name like I'm the Beatles. <laughs> if I can get like five, six thousand people doing that at once, that's the outside in for me that works. I kind of feel like I might be good at something, but I need the people to be screaming first before I can do anything. Yeah, that would be cool to play someone in a movie where you had like an audience in front of you chanting your name or your character's name. Because I think it would be awesome where they're chanting your name and the director goes, cut, and then they're all sort of quiet. And then goes, action, and they start chanting again. <laughs> like, it's just a performance. I like the idea of everyone doing that, even though you know it's not real, the fact that it's happening. But when they call cut and everyone just immediately, like, you just stop because he said cut. Doesn't anyone just kind of feel like keep on chanting my name? Yeah, because you want to? No, you're all taking a break? All right, fine. Because in the film industry, that would take a couple of days for them to completely film. So you would just spend a week on stage just hearing your name chanted. Ugh. The dream. Can we uh, organize some sort of video that we need to film where that happens? Yeah, but then we need to cast a bunch of people to chant your name. Yeah, well, just do that. Totally worth it from where I'm sitting. I mean, there are some websites that reek of desperation if you want to do casting. <laughs> <laughs> just actors going, I want to be famous. Well, come and chant my name. When's this so, been released? Oh, it's not getting released. I just put it on a loop. <laughs> I, just, I just play this for myself at home. It's on repeat in my bedroom. To hear my name be chanted repetitively and touch myself. Though, how would you feel if you went up? to do your performance and you knew the scene was your name getting chanted by like millions of people and you go up and the place where the people are is empty and you're like what the hell and like oh no 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 we put them in with CGI later screw you <laughs> I just became completely disinterested suddenly I'd be very critical of the script I'm seeing rewrites here and I would figure out a way to make it so that they have to be there doesn't work without them at the same time because I need them to do this and this what if it's a compromise they were willing to get the janitor out there and he would chant your name. So it'd be this huge, like, open field because you're doing a stadium gig in the movie. Yes. So and it's, it's just, like, one guy standing there and he's standing in the middle so you can sort of hear him off in the distance going, Goth, 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 Goth. I just like the idea of us renting out Suncorp Stadium for a day to film something because on a whim, I'm like, I really like to hear people chant my name. So we rent out Suncorp Stadium and then when we get there, you're like, oh, there's no people. Oh, but we can get a guy to yell your name from across the field. <laughs> ben, this isn't even a good sketch. I have no faith in this production. Well, to be honest, I don't even know what we're shooting the scene. Your character's not even a musician. <laughs> He's not much of anything, really. <laughs> we're there in the middle of Suncorp Stadium. We spent all our money to hire it out. And in front of this janitor, we're arguing over the script. <laughs> you guys are really bad at business and art. That sums up pretty much every humidor production we've ever done. <laughs> well, should it be like this? I don't know. It should be like that. I Meanwhile, everyone's there like, shouldn't you have done this before you even asked us here to perform? Nah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> you gave me a script and then you changed it when I arrived. I think that's the tagline for Wiki Review. We'll figure it out as we go. <laughs> what about imaginary and fantasies? So oh, yeah, you've got to right. fantasize as your character. Well, technically everything we're doing is imaginary. You're creating a fantasy on stage. Do you ever remember your character's childhood? Absolutely. Did they just have your childhood? When you're given the opportunity to do anything, it's amazing how many repressed childhood memories get solved <laughs> the amount of things that come out like screw you dad why is this suddenly about you hating your dad where did that come from I don't know <laughs> 
this is a big thing that improv when they're talking about the because we're reading the psychology bit and about consciousness improv is about just saying anything like it's mm. like you've said before the idea of uh, when you're sleeping mm. dreams are just someone talking non-stop for like five hours that's what improv is that's what you're tapping into that subconscious conscious I guess like name a fruit banana see tapped into that subconscious conscious see where did that come from we don't know no you didn't say banana it said banana <laughs> the universe just it channeled me that's right you know when people get possessed or like they put on a mask and they're that god that's improv they think that it's the <clears throat> demon that possessed them that's saying it no it's just them it's just they didn't think it up it just came out of them I think improv though and I will preface it by saying I probably wouldn't be good at improv but with improv it seems to be an art form that when you see other people do it you go I could probably do that well it's a hit rate because it's made up on the spot not everything has to be polished it can't be polished it's made up on the spot and if they get a hit rate of maybe one in three you're like that was an amazing show in stand-up if you hit one in three go home and think very long and hard about what you've done you had all the time in the world to prepare for this show what made you think that one in three was fine no you're expected to be funny on every single hit (laughs) doing improv in front of an audience would add to it a lot more because thinking of things on the spot can be more difficult i think the closest i can relate to was when i did stand up when I would get heckled. When I hear them saying what they're saying, I'm like, ah, oh, crap. So right after this, I'm just going to make up some funny on the spot. You know, I had shit written. I was going to finish it and then I was going to go home. I had a night plan and you're fucking up my night. <laughs> yes, so true. And then if I couldn't do it, I would be mad at them. They fucked me. Like I was doing good, but then fucking mm. heckle guy came in. Oh, the worst for me is like, you know, you've got the comeback to the heckle. Yeah, I know how to deal with this. I'm going to get a huge laugh. But my problem is the mathematics of trying to get back to where I am before you said anything you've ruined like a two minute joke I've been talking for two minutes and I'm about to hit the cliche and you know that little pause before I hit the punchline that's when you open your big fat mouth and now I'm gonna put you down everyone's gonna laugh but then what am I gonna do now you can't retell the joke it's even hard getting back to your next joke as well you have a moment you go Moving on, so I went to the shops the other day. It just doesn't sit right. And that's why I hate the heckler. Heckler always fucks up the act. There are certain acts that do work well with hecklers, but usually they have something where they encourage hecklers or go, come on, heckle, or yeah, ask for ask people questions. Yeah. If the comedian wants you to be involved, he will let you know. Just shut up and laugh at everything. Yeah. Okay, just tell me I'm awesome. That's all you're there for. See, that's why I like podcasting. People can yell at the podcast all they want that's right heckle away guys i can't hear it (laughs) (laughs) i did do a lot of live stand-up and then changed into doing more podcast and filming projects and i gotta admit i do prefer the idea to just being able to do things from the comfort of my own home it is a lot more comfortable isn't it like just sitting back here in my own house recording comedy that's great i would have to go somewhere to do stand-up i think the biggest problem with live performances is there is a time when you go on stage when we're recording stuff that can be any time yeah. and we can even go hold on a second I need to pee and then go pee and then come back and then it's time to perform when it's a stand up or improv or whatever it's live performance when they call your name you have to go on stage and that's the problem I don't like because if I could perform a stand up show when I felt like it that'd be great like imagine you think of a good joke and you're like I'm actually in the mood to do stand up right this second if I could then just run into your office and start recording that'd be great That's not how stand-up and live performances work, though. I have to be in the mood when they tell me to be in the 
mood. But one thing I do like in the recorded format and not so much with this podcast just because of the way we do it where it's very free form, but more so when we're recording the videos, like the things you wouldn't want to hear from a doctor where we tell all these great funny jokes. What the people don't see is there's like six other times we said that joke because you say it and then it's like, wait, wait, I can say it better. I can say it better. (laughs) (laughs) You get to retell it. And that's movie magic. Everyone does multiple takes of different things. You do not get that in live performance. (laughs) And I think the one thing that that does make it stronger because you do like a straight telling of a joke and then once you get up to like the third one, you start going, well, what goofy thing can I put on it? And sometimes it makes the other people in the room laugh and that makes it into the video. And it wouldn't have happened if you had to just make one performance of that joke because you would have just done it the safest way. The energy of a live performance, like Mm. you don't get to repeat it, but you have to be in the moment at the moment, which is all improv is a stain in the moment. We do different kinds of stand up, but with me, I'd always try to find something to say about the room or something that happened of the night, something that I just thought of then, because then all my jokes that I've spent years writing seem like they're off the top of my head. And it's not just the illusion of the audience, but I feel like you've injected a live feeling into it. If I just go straight into my jokes, then I'm just repeating them. But if I've said something up the front, like, oh, like, look at the back of the room. It's like a whatever. And everyone goes, oh, yeah. Even though it's a dumb joke, people are more likely to laugh at that than the genius witticisms I've spent nights just sweating over trying to make it. It's genius. But because that's like on the spot, it's funny. I remember a comedian that I'm not going to name. (laughs) But I bet I know who they are the second you say this. Oh, yeah. You will know exactly who it is. I remember I first saw them. They got up on stage and someone immediately heckled them. And they came back at the heckle and their whole five minute bit was just riffing off like this heckle and Ah, what it implied from it. And I thought, wow, that's absolutely genius. Like he had his act, but then, you know, someone heckled him and then off it went. But then the next time he went on stage, he got heckled by someone else (laughs) with that same thing. What are the odds? And even at one point he came up to me before he went up on stage and said, hey, when I get up on stage, do you mind yelling this heckle out? And I'm like, sure, I've seen the act. That's common in comedy. This is not just me picking on this one comedian. He did ace that. Uh, showing off that you know who it is. (laughs) And there's like a small bubble of people who are listening to this who know who I'm talking about. (laughs) Now that I know who you're talking about, he is one of the nicest people I've ever met. I liked him. And it was a really funny set that he did. And I have seen him do that set without the heckle. And for some reason, it just doesn't work. Oh, you need the heckle. You need the heckle. That makes it work. It was actually a part of the bit. It was actually a good bit. Yeah, without the heckle, you can't just get up there and go, oh, here's the insert the joke. Uh, It requires that you know, off the cuffness to make it seem good. I did always want that as a stand-up comedian though. That's the one thing that I wish I did that I never did was to have a plant in the audience. Oh, wouldn't it be great? To have like a riff back and forth. We should do that one time with your stand-up. I'll sit in the audience and (laughs) we'll organize something that I yell out. You'll have the perfect comeback for me because you can own me by the end because that's how it's got to go. What I want, this is how I see it. Yes, Yes, we will have like a script. You can even bring the script with you. We will rehearse this. So I get on stage, you throw something out and I just come back with this genius thing and it doesn't end there because then you say something else which leads to something else and my entire set is just back and forth between us. Then I get off stage and they introduce you up. (laughs) 
and then I heckle you. And that's when everyone realizes what has been going on for the last 20 minutes. And we don't stop. Because now that we've established it, I will keep throwing stuff up to you and your genius off-the-cuff responses. That's a show I'd see twice. See, that's harder for me, though, because as soon as I get up on stage and perform, they know it's all scripted. A couple minutes ago, they thought you were clever genius. Yes, but you get the laughter and I'm happy to swap. Either side is fine by me. Because if you're that second person, when you get up, just simply getting on stage will get a round of applause and a standing ovation. Everyone's going to laugh their ass off. I say that's two minutes of laughter right there of people realizing what's happened. You're just standing there getting laughter and credit at the realization. And then as I yell something out, everyone's going to be like, oh my God, they're going to do it again? Knowing that we know now... That's a meta joke. Or Mm. even if it gets to the stage, you get on stage, everyone's like, oh, it was a plant. Oh, well, that's crap. Then we keep going. (laughs) A 20-minute set where everyone's like, I'm not on board from the beginning. Funny if one of my comebacks to you is, if you're so funny, why don't you get up here? Yes! (laughs) Again? If we actually went out of our way, wrote a script, you know, set up the show, put on the show, advertised the show, handed out flyers, promoted it on social media, begged people to come, sold the tickets, filled the room. By that stage, I'd probably be over it. And we, <laughs> like, oh, we actually have to do the show. No, I liked it when I was sitting on a couch with no shoes on. <laughs> Could we do a stand-up show where we bring a couch and I don't have to wear shoes? I don't think it's stand-up anymore. Yeah, no, that's a sit-down, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Shoeless sit-down humor. And I mean, it would we, be great. It would be great. I mean, we'd have to move a couch. I mean, if we could pile everybody into the room here, I'd be happy with that. If we could bring an audience. No, that's way better. Yeah, I don't want to go somewhere. People could come to the couch. I've always had a dream of doing a sort of semi-live version of this podcast. Semi-live. Semi-live. That's what I call it. Like resuscitated humor? Live would be us going somewhere. My idea is people come here. So what we do, and if you're interested in this, write in and let us know because I might actually do it, is we have an audience in this room who sits here while we do the podcast and they can interact and heckle and you can see how much room is here. I'd probably fit maybe 12. (laughs) Standing room, yes. I'd fit them in. I'd squeeze them in. We could have them on the couch beside us. It'd be nice and cozy, but it would work. Wiki review and humidor merchandise will be available. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we need to buy some shirts. Now that's another thing too, because I have been listening to the Doug Stanhope podcast. Doug Stanhope is a great comedian. If you're a comedian, you know who he is. If you're not, probably don't know who he is. But he makes a good racket. Every hotel he goes to, he steals Bibles out of it. And he sells these Bibles at his shows. <laughs> Except that- people want to buy a Bible from Doug Stanhope. Exactly. A genuine stolen Bible. He guarantees every Bible he sells is stolen. And that <laughs> is like the bit that makes people buy it. This made me think though, because it's just people want to buy something because they love him. So what's the humidor equivalent? What's something that we could do that we could sell that that's stupid? Like a stolen Bible, that sounds like a dumb idea. You hear stolen Bible, you go, no one would buy that. He cannot get enough stolen Bibles. What's something that we have for free? Like empty Coke bottles? We could definitely rack up some of them. Oh yeah, I've got a few of them, but I got a place that charges 10 cents. So, so I got to sell them for more than 10 cents or I'm, I'm losing here. Yeah, a Humidor used Coke bottle, 20 well, we, cents. Well, we have Coke out here and we drink 
that while we record wiki review. So if you told me your favorite episode, I could get you the Coke bottle that <gasps> we drunk from during that episode. That's genius. Yes. At the end of an episode, we will write the episode name on the bottle that we have consumed. And if that's your favorite episode, yeah, but we may drink more than one bottle per episode. We're going to keep drinking Coke till we do the Wikipedia page for diabetes. That's right. <laughs> that's the one everyone's going to try and buy. Yeah. All right, sorted. There's merch. I did look into Humidor merch and like we could get like the wiki review thing printed on a t-shirt. Do you reckon we could sell like a hundred of them? See, this is the problem. You go, I want to sell a hundred shirts, but you can't just buy a hundred shirts and sell them because there's different sizes. I got stuck up on get a prize for the wiki review cover where it's going like, do you own the rights to this? And I'm like, yes. That's we like, made it. It has yeah, to be. I know, right? I don't know how I prove this other than I'm one of the guys in the photo. How do you prove it? No, you can ask the other guy if you want. He's cool. <laughs> Both the people in the picture are fine with it. <laughs> But no, we can get all sorts of crazy merchandise. We can get bottle openers. Like, yeah, I'm sure we could be on mugs and things. That'd be... I think I texted you at one point saying that I could get ping pong balls. I don't feel that anyone who buys a wiki review ping pong ball is going to play table tennis. <laughs> I feel like I don't want my face on the ping pong ball. It's going to get smushed eventually and your face is going to look weird and distorted. Because also, yeah, what if it crumples up and like it looks like we're kissing? <laughs> That's true. That could be a side effect of the ping pong balls. I'm all for like gay love and everything. Just not with him. No offense. I know it's mutual. If we were going to get some merchandise, what would you want to get? There's not enough lighters out there. And lighters are genius merchandise because you'll have to buy another one when it runs out. I actually think lighters are a genius merchandise because people who've heard of us would buy them. But then people who haven't would steal them. Yes. And that's why it was spread around. If you're going to spread something around, lighters is actually a really good way to do that. I know. Now amongst smokers, lighters get stolen a lot and like there's always the controversy of is that your lighter? If you've got a wiki review lighter, what are the odds someone else has that? And if you see someone with a wiki review lighter, you pretty much just claim it's yours. Though if we do that, are we going to generate an audience that's mostly smokers and then we're going to have to start smoking in our sketches? It's just us going like... Because <laughs> I know it's illegal for cigarette companies to advertise mm. and like that's why they don't sponsor sport, but what's the rule on podcasting? It's international too. Because I do one what is the rules with or what can you do with smoking because I remember when we were doing the doctor's thing one of the jokes that I didn't end up doing because I thought nah no way it's gonna play is to have a doctor smoking a cigarette going oh yeah no I recommend these to all my patients because <laughs> I thought that that was funny and that's making fun of cigarettes but because for the bit to work I would have to have a cigarette is that be... now crossing some sort of line well, it's those weird topics where you can't even mention it even when you're saying it's bad. There is some characters who do smoke. Like you have Patty and Selma comes to mind from mm. The Simpsons. But they were grandfathered in because that was from back in the day when cigarettes could actually be advertised. But they're still allowed, but a poo got kicked off the show. Yeah, because that's racist and unfair because I've never seen someone work at like a convenience store that was Indian. Right or wrong, people are sad that they're not going to see a poo on The Simpsons anymore. Like soon as you hear that, you're just mm. like, no, whoever said a poo is wrong, they're wrong. Exactly. I love a poo. Don't kill him. Like we all... <clears throat> know like someone who is a total stereotype that's just what they do and we still love them for it and it's kind of funny all the arguments for keeping a poo seem to be well you know a lot of people do it anyway and it's not really that bad if you think about it because they've said these positive things about the character it's really just we're gonna miss a poo it's like why couldn't you have just let him pass if we all treat Indian people a little better <laughs> like if they said we'll bring a poo back but you all have to do at least one nice thing to an Indian I would do it oh yeah 
I mean, I wouldn't go to jail for a poop. I would <laughs> definitely leave a penny. But yeah, no jail time for our poop. Yeah, if they said one night in prison or the Simpsons are gone forever, yeah, I'd think about it. I feel like I'd get a lot of respect in prison for that night. That's actually a really good point. Let's say I was put with the prospect of I have to spend a night in jail or no more Simpsons. And I went, there is no way I'm doing it. Don't be ridiculous. And then you found out the Simpsons had been canceled. Because of you. Does that even like tear apart this podcast at that point? It's like, you killed the Simpsons. I'm not doing a podcast with that guy. I am rounding up a posse. <laughs> yes. Justice will be served and like, you will be held accountable for your lack of action. Because I think I would do it not to keep the Simpsons on the air. It's just so a mob doesn't form outside my house ready to lynch me. <laughs> Led by you. Because I'd expect the same back. <laughs> I'd be like Nelson Mandela. I'm a political prisoner right now. I'm doing this for the people. I can just imagine I get the offer and you hear about it. You come immediately around to my house going, Ben, you have to do this. You have to do this for all of us. You will be a hero. I will promise that they know you've done this. <laughs> they will sing songs of your deeds. We will erect statues in your honor. Ben, look, if you do this, I will give you whatever you want. I mean this. I will, you want money. You want women. You want power. I'll give it to you. But if you don't, I will destroy you. You will die in the worst way. You will never live this down. Please do this. Be a friend. Because otherwise I will rip your fucking head off, you useless prick. Please. It's all I have, you asshole. And I'd probably just do that until you just went, you know, this is really starting to annoy me. I'm just going to go to jail. Though I think after I got out of jail, I would become so hypercritical of the new episodes of The Simpsons. You would. like, I just like, like, I went to jail for this. If it was before that Lady Gaga episode, I would have been like, are you uh, kidding me? Like, really? if that was the first episode after I got out, I would have been like, no. <laughs> I feel like that's how Jesus looks down on the earth. Like, I died for this. <laughs> the, I died for their sins, and this is what they're doing. So we did find the thing that you would go spend a night in jail for. The Simpsons, yeah. Like, I think I'd have to. But you're still on the fence about this. I'm trying to think of if I like a TV show that good. But, like, The Simpsons, that's beyond me and you. Like, that's for everyone. Like, I feel like they've done that time. Imagine if you were the guy that killed the Flintstones. Yeah, but imagine you had gone to jail to save the Flintstones, and now you look around today and you're like, I went to the jail to save the Flintstones, and kids are like, who? But you see, if you went to jail to save the Flintstones, they would know who they are. It's because that guy invented Gizmo and didn't go to jail, as he should have, that kids are like, what's a Flintstone? They used to advertise cigarettes. I think Winston's are the brand. It's weird watching cartoon characters smoking and talking about the smooth flavor. When they banned cigarette advertising, the cigarette companies had to go underground and be very clever about how they get cigarettes into things. So I'm just putting this out there. If you're Benson or Hedges and you want to invest some money into some secret advertising, I am so up for that. <laughs> I don't care about Ben. This is just me. So you'd just be smoking while doing the podcast. Well, this is the thing. I don't have to smoke necessarily and I'm not going to smoke, but I will definitely say positive things about cigarettes for money. Uh, I'm not above that. <laughs> I don't care. Look, I don't care if they're made out of endangered whales. I'm still selling them. Hey, you pay me. That's my job to sell them. I'm fine with that. What do I keep saying? Do we really need whales? What are they doing? Really? Eating up all the plankton. See, I see myself like Krusty the Clown. You put that little humidor clown on anything, I'm interested. <laughs> You'd have these cigarettes and I'd be like, Garth, I don't care about those. They got the humidor clown on it. Like, ooh. If we sold merchandise, cigarettes, that's a lot of hurdles to jump through. Maybe we should just sell cigarette pack. Why am I constantly coming with lighters and 
things to, for cigarettes for our company. How about uh, stress toys, Garth? What about little gadget toy things? You know those little like physical puzzles, like you know, get the ring out of the thing. Do you that want, could be cool. Do you want that would that frustrate that? people? That's where I was going. Do you want to frustrate our audience? Like a Rubik's cube. Yeah, an unsolvable Rubik's <laughs> cube. Every time you think it's done and you click it, the colors change. Now, the problem with the Rubik's cube is, let's say we got like our web address on there, and people are like, hold on, I got to solve this to figure out what the web address is. No one will ever. Are find they on it. Facebook? How do I twist this thing to find if they're on Facebook? Now, the one piece of merchandise that I think I would want, though it's probably going to be difficult and expensive, and we'll probably only sell one, and it will be to me. <laughs> okay. A figurine of the bear dog clown. <gasps> yes. Sounds like I sold two. I was trying to figure out what scale that I would want. I would want it small enough to put on a shelf. I'd want a garden gnome version. Like you just see him in the garden, got his little cigar. That's why I keep going on about smoking. Bear dog's got a cigar. And we're called humidor. Humidor cigars could work because cigars are kept in humidors. What if we got a humidor humidor? Yes! Because does a humidor have to carry cigars or can you have a humidor shaped box and put other stuff in it? Technically, a Because hum- we can't sell smoking stuff as we've already established. Well, you can sell a humidor. That's perfectly fine. It's just a box that allows breathing and moisture. Technically, it doesn't have to be a box. It could be a room. It's just a space that you put cigars in that has a bit of moisture in the air so they don't dry out. <laughs> That's all it is. If you can make a box and put a sponge in it, you have a humidor. And then we just put the little logo on the front. So if you guys would like to buy a humidor, mm. let us know. Start ordering now and we'll figure out how to make them. I reckon what we do is just get a bunch of stickers that say humidor, go up to existing products and just put it over. You can have the humidor iPhone. It's better than a regular iPhone because it has a sticker. Yes, although it, the sticker goes over the camera. <laughs> so you can't take photos anymore. You can take pictures. It just has to be at the back of the sticker. You can sort of see the clown through it. The smoking monkey in The Simpsons. If we had a bear dog, but he actually smokes, he keeps puffing out little rings. Hey, Lucky Strike. Marlboro, give us money. We're trying to make art here. <laughs> art that promotes the use of cigarettes. See, that's also an interesting way to find sponsorship is to think of a bit and then go, I wonder if they'll pay for it. <laughs> like if you thought of a joke that made McDonald's seem pleasant <laughs> and so you're just like, well, I wonder if McDonald's will pay for us to make this. As a general rule in business, if someone's already selling something for you for free, don't pay them money. Do you think you would sell out to any company? Yeah. The first people who pay me some real money you will have my undying obedience. Are there any companies who you would like to sell out to? Like if McDonald's asked you to do an ad, would you be like, oh, I would like to do that? Or would you be like, I'll do it for the money? Because let's say you get to write your own ad. They're just like, look, we're fans of you. You design an ad and we'll buy it off you. Kislar. It's a knife company. Okay, cool. I thought you were just saying random. It sounds kind of Jewish. <laughs> it's Russian. Russian. Um, okay. Do you guys sometimes need to cut things or possibly stab things? You need something sharp, but maybe handheld. Well, what you need is a knife and when I reach for a knife I reach for Kizla. Yeah, that works. I want to buy some. Now we just sit back and wait for the money to roll in. <laughs> I'm already on my phone texting Shannon we need Kizla knives now. I suddenly feel compelled. <laughs> I think the company that I would most want to sell out to, Coca-Cola. Yeah, that, that would save you a lot of money. Even if they said, look, we're not going to pay you, we'll just give you free Coke. I'm like, you're paying me more than you think, buddy. I like the idea of them going like, look, we'll pay you $100. No, can I just have in Coke? Cut out the middleman. I'm going to take your money and buy Coke with it. Why are we wasting everyone's time? Now, that is something that the listeners might not know about me, but a lot of people who know me do is that I always tend to have Coca-Cola in the house. It's assumed. When I come over here, I don't say... 
say, do you have Coke? It's, I'm getting Coke. When I say I'm out of Coke, everyone is legitimately shocked to hear this statement from me. It's a weird thing. And also you can see like the jittery eye of Ben as he knows he's out of Coke. He's dealing with the situation. I hate how it affects my image too. No one should know about the blemishes where there isn't any Coke. <laughs> but a question that I get pitched a lot is, let's say Pepsi wanted to sponsor me. <gasps> oh, oh. <laughs> and they had the restriction that I could no longer ever drink Coke, Coke again. You have to not only just solely drink Pepsi, but you have to publicly denounce Coke and say that I never enjoyed it in the first place. This episode would have to come down. <laughs> I think if they were paying me, I would believe that Pepsi <laughs> was the superior product. I just like to think that if you ever stood up and said Pepsi is the greatest product ever, a lot of people would be like, wow, the Pepsi CEO has some serious power. <laughs> like, what have they got on him? That's some serious leverage. Though if you saw me shouting out Pepsi, would it make you go like, maybe I should give Pepsi a go? I mean, if they got Ben. No, I know that they've gotten to you. <laughs> like, clearly there's a scandal involved. Like, this has nothing to do with your taste buds. I know that much. And the thing is, I do like Pepsi as well. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, it's, it's a good drink. <laughs> it's just if I had to take one and I wouldn't exclusively drink it. I love uh, anything blackcurrant because that's the other purple. Purple is traditionally grape, but then blackcurrant's the other purple. So is blackcurrant like Ribena? Is no, that's a Ribena berry. Blackcurrant is mainly Powerade I come across it. That's, that's right. Drink. I remember that. You used to have like heaps of bottles of like It was my Coca-Cola. Yeah. Well, you'd sit there with your Coke, I'd sit there with Powerade and we both just rot the hell out of our teeth. It was a great time had by all. Oh God, yeah. I remember looking in your fridge and just seeing like purple Powerade just <laughs> Uh, I remember you would have like other flavors and they would be the flavors that you would offer. Cause I think you'd sometimes get them in a pack where you had others and like, look, you can have any of those. Don't touch the purple. Purple. Purple's goth drink. (laughs) Yeah. I used to find the shopping centers that would have black currant on special or like they'd sell only the black currant and I'd just buy them out. And then I'd come back a week later and be pissed off that they hadn't restocked. So I'd have to find another supermarket. Cause I used to just buy lollies, chocolate and Powerade. But I'd need a trolley cause I'd fill the trolley first. I'd go to where the Powerades are. I'd get all the purple ones and then I'd go to the lolly aisle and I just fill up the rest of the trolley with chocolate and lollies and then I went to the checkout and as I'm putting it all this one time putting it all on the conveyor belt thing this woman behind me some older couple looks at it and goes oh what's all this about like because it's just chocolate and power aids and I improved that I was the stepfather to a kid who was going on a scouts retreat and I was in charge of buying snacks because you were humiliated to admit it was all for you because <laughs> there is no way I was going to tell these people that no, this is my shopping for the week. Notice how it's just purple Powerades and lollies. I'm like, oh, it's Scouts. I had to get snacks. And like, oh, where are the Scouts going? I don't actually know. I'm the stepfather. I'm just happy that, you know, we're going to get some quiet time without the kids. They immediately like, oh, yeah, it's a good time when the kids go out, aren't they? <laughs> and we all bonded over that made up moment. <laughs> they still don't know I made that up. I love that you looked at your shopping and you were self-aware enough to be humiliated. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm not buying like an adult. What is the only logical explanation a group of children (laughs) the only explanation is yeah many children when a 10 year old says what they wish they could have for dinner that was your life I lived that (laughs) and you know what as embarrassing as it was and every single time I'd get home from shopping like I really gotta do something about this this is ridiculous (laughs) 
Oh, this week I tried for the first time chocolate coated marshmallow. Oh, wow. By Pascal. That's cool. Because I love their pineapple lumps. Oh, yeah, they do do the pineapple lumps. And Pascal might be the underrated of the lolly people. I actually got today some bags of pineapple lumps. And we have a rule in this house where you have to get two bags of pineapple lumps because the first bag accidentally gets eaten very quickly. Yeah, it disappears. And then you're like, well, why didn't you get two when you were there? You knew you were going to eat that the day you got it. Because this is what's going to happen after we do this podcast. You're going to go, I'm going to have some dinner and then I'm going to get out a bag of pineapple lumps and I'm going to start eating them. About a third of the way through the bag, I'm going to start going, I feel kind of gross and sick. I will still continue to consume that bag till <laughs> it's done. two thirds through, I'll be like, I still feel sick. Apparently continually <laughs> eating these lumps has not fixed the problem. It'll get to a point where I will go to my wife, take these away from me and hide them because I can't be trusted. <laughs> Oh, well, that's a good place to end it because I kind of want pineapple lumps. <laughs> yeah, you think I'm leaving now? <laughs> uh, so what did you think of the Wikipedia page for improvisational theatre? I had fun with this. We got to talk about some stuff that I was aware of. I'd have to rate this a yes and out of a possible Zoom screech because this is good. Yes and more, please. I want more out of this. What is a Zoom screech? Clarify that for me because I actually don't know. <laughs> okay, so we're going all the way back to the very beginning of this episode when I did a sound effect and yeah. You didn't know what I was doing. There's a game that, and this is improvers all know this. There's a game called Zoom Screech that that they play, mm. where you go Zoom and everyone else goes Zoom, Zoom, and then you might go Screech to send it back. Yeah, it's just a game with stupid rules in it. But Zoom Screech is the most common game amongst all improvers, so every improver would know what Zoom Screech is. A lot of the improv games sound like something you could play at a ten year old's birthday party. They are. In fact, it's a well established fact that some of the best improvers are children because they haven't been beaten down by life to think that they can't just make stuff up. Now that you mentioned that, I think. I may have done improv as a child then because that's how we used to play games like where we would just take on characters usually it would be someone who we saw on TV it's like I'm Spider-Man you're Batman and we made a crossover between Spider-Man and Batman we're ahead of our time yeah you know playing pretend that's all it is Ali's been doing uh, singing lessons lately she's not ever gonna be some she just she's doing it because she wants to do it and because it's fun to do so she goes off I'm gonna go sing now I'm gonna go play pretend now catch up with you later 10 year old us would think we're so cool when you're playing these games you're either doing it to prepare to go in front of an audience or because you're in front of an audience do you think that if someone had this thing where it's like look we're not doing it for anything and we're not going to perform we just come over to each other's houses and then we just start ad-libbing sketches just for each other I feel like there are people who do that there would be people who do that if people have board game nights people do that I remember there was a guy who started stand-up because do you remember that show Good Newsweek the panel show where they get out articles from the newspaper and then discuss them and make jokes. This guy got into stand-up because him and his friends used to do Good News Week nights where they'd all come over and read newspaper articles and riff about it. And that was a board game night for them. What if I invited you to like this party where you had to think of a character who you were and come as that character? Well, firstly, I would say, do I need to bring the 20-sided dice and roll for initiative? Or is this some other kind of Dungeons and Dragons I'm unaware of? No, it's improv. What you're describing, a stay-at-home and improv, that's Dungeons and Dragons to that's a That's true, actually. It is just Dungeons and Dragons. It is, isn't it? But anyways, in a long way about it, that's what I thought of this page. <laughs> what did you think, Ben? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you were rating it. All right, well, they're saying that the earliest history of improvisational theatre was in 391 BC. Yep. Which, wow, could you imagine, like, before that, like, everything was scripted and someone's just like, eh, fuck it, what if I just made it up? When did writing start? Because wouldn't there have been acting before scripts 
books existed. There would have been plays before people knew how to write. And yeah. even though when there was literature, <clears throat> people would write scripts. The majority of people couldn't read them. Actors weren't literate. Well, how are you going to know when improv started? I mean, they're going to just pick an arbitrary date because it's not like it's documented. There's no script from the improv. Because you could argue that everything was always improv until someone invented scripts. This is the first time since scripts that someone went off script. Like everyone improv and then someone wrote a script and they went, let's do that from now on. It's less pressure. As soon as someone figured out lying, <laughs> that's all improv is. You're trying to create a new world. Well, anyway, because we haven't got much time left in the episode. As far as I'm concerned, improv was invented in 391 BC. So I'm sorry, I forgot you were going for your rating system. <laughs> yeah. Why am I making this difficult for you? Anyone who says anything else is wrong. And that's WikiReview's official stance. Yes, because it's Wikipedia's official stance. Boom. Safe bet. Okay, so out of 391. I'll give it a 370. I did like it and I was really hyped to go through this, especially after seeing you do improv because I'd seen improv before, but I'd never seen anyone I knew do it. So that was kind of cool and novel. I mean, yeah, you watch Whose Lines It Anyways on TV and you're like, well, those guys are professionals and that's all they do. Of course they can just stand up and do it. But now you've got a bit more of a like, I know how much effort Garth puts into things. And so now you can see, I'm not saying I'm good and I'm not saying I work hard. I'm not saying the opposite either, but you know how much I work at things and you also know how good I was. So you can see the ratio there. There's a blend to effort to output ratio you can mathematically equate. Actually, before we go, I should like tell the story a bit more of that night. I had looked up and seen on Facebook that Garth was doing a graduation show for this improv class that he was doing. And I'm like, excellent. I want to go and see. I pick up my wife, Shannon, from work and we head out to the venue. We're a little bit early. They were still setting up. And it was there that I walked and I met eyes with Garth, who had no idea that I was actually showing up. So what went through your head when you met eyes with me? Was it this whole, I can't believe he's here or uh, I knew this day would come? Uh, uh, that'd be fucking right, wouldn't it? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's, that adds up. Because I remember Shannon on the way there is going, do you reckon he'll be mad? Well, you see, this is the thing that you got to understand. I wasn't mad. If anything, I'm trying to protect you. I know what humor is like. I know what comedy is like. And I've also known that an improv grad show may not be the source of the high-end humor that you so crave. But I loved it. But you haven't seen my more beginner shows. At the end of the day, any criticism I give you, you know I couldn't do better. Oh, yeah, but that's not the point. That's not <laughs> what we're on about here. It's finally you got something to hang on me. But no, it was fun getting a chance to see you do improv though. And if anyone catches any of the shows he's going to be on on Facebook, they should definitely go check it out. Oh yeah, come along. Check through Facebook, find me. Might even put something out through Humidor. Yeah, you should be doing that so people yeah. can come and see you. Alright, we'll mix yeah. it around. Because we'll you definitely that. should see not only Garth's improv, but also his stand-up because although I talk about the good old days when I did stand-up, he's still doing it. I found out stand-up was pointless and just went, podcasting's the future. <laughs> Wave of the future! Yeah, they're going to get over this stand-up thing. No one likes comedians anymore. Also, while I was at the improv show, I got to meet a fan of the show and he was putting me on to he's actually got his own Instagram account where he does comics. And I think we've been mentioned in one of them. We did. He's a good improver, a friend of mine. Brandon, if you're out there, sup? He's <laughs> kind enough. He does a wonderful comic series. I think that's what we're going to call it. Yeah, it's called Coffee Goblin. If you hashtag Coffee Goblin or Booze Monkey, then you should find it. I don't 
don't know how Instagram works, so I'm assuming if you type those in, you'll see it. It's really funny. If you go into the show notes now, I put a link in there so you can click yeah. in there and see. So everyone should check out this comic because he does one pretty much every day and it's really good. It's yeah, really every funny. single day. I do like his art style as well. And we're mentioned in one of them. So, I mean, if you're a fan of Wiki Review, you kind of have to go and like all this stuff. I think he's also on... Is he on Facebook yeah, as well? Yeah, he's on Facebook. That's how I know it exists. So if you're on Instagram, follow Brendan. How do you find him? I don't know because this one, it says BJO0SE. Look, the links are in the show notes. I'll give you a link to his yeah, Facebook d- account. And look, his, we're his giving Instagram. you a link to click on. I do like because it's a single panel cartoon and I haven't seen much of them since Far Side and I love Far Side. So it reminds me of that, which brings me back. It's outside the box. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Check I it out. That. Mm-hmm. And as someone who I motor coordination problem, so I can't draw. Yeah. So that sort of thing, I still downs me. It's like a godly superpowered. And there's a joke in there. You know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, fuck you, Brandon. <laughs> With your talent. Hey, I'm thinking we bring him into the curb. We need anything drawn. We know who we're hitting up now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wonderful man. Wonderful yeah. man. We love him. Brandon, you're Humidor's artist now. It just is. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> Remember on Hey Hey It's Saturday, yes. how there was the cartoonist guy who would draw a cartoon really quick and put it up in front of the camera? That's what it reminds me of, and that's what we need. We need to do the live thing then. We can put it up on YouTube where it's just constantly pictures. At that point, it's a cartoon. That's a great idea. YouTube, okay? It's just this podcast playing on a YouTube, but the film is Brendan sitting there and every time he hears something, you see him drawing and then he shows us what he drew. Then he puts it down and he draws something else and then shows us. And that's just like the the hour and a half podcast, but with him doing that. Oh, Brandon, if you're in, let us know. There we go. So <laughs> We know he's listening. Yeah, you want to sit and draw stuff that we say for an hour and a half? <laughs> but yeah, no, everyone should check that out. What was it? It was a um, coffee Goblin? I know Coffee Goblin is the name of the series. Hashtag Coffee Goblin. Look that up, guys. But like I said, in the show notes, check that out. And while you're in the show notes, you'll also notice that we're plugging humidor.com.au Boom. The YouTube channel, Facebook. Now, what's these new things you've done? I know I've been talking about for ages our Twitter and our Instagram. Those are actually doing something now. I've been putting effort into that. So we've been having some tweets. I was actually, Garth was there too. We were at a medieval festival on the weekend. I was sending out little tweets about things that I saw there to so to see what witty observations I had about the medieval festival. Find me on Twitter. It's all in the show notes. There's also our Instagram, which has a bunch of pictures that we're trying to put up. But yeah, so Ben's gone to a lot of effort. So at least check it out. Like make it worth his while. Yeah. And speaking of that, there was actually some, an interactive part. We have a poll up on our Facebook at the moment because I saw a jar of bacon jam. Now this is either gross or or delicious. I don't know. Mm. So I put it up on the Facebook poll and you can vote. And just so you know, delicious is winning at the moment. So if you hate it, you've got to speak up or you're going to lose. That's right. So jump onto the Humidor Facebook page and make sure you get your vote in. But if you do want to hit us up for anything Humidor related, like even the email, which is wikireviewpodcast at gmail.com, it's all on humidor.com.au. It's a great hub to see our YouTube channel, our podcast, and and how often we release stuff on that. It's always spread across there so you'll know what the newest thing is. Well, I guess that's been about it for this episode. I've been Ben Grohl. I've been Gareth Remington. And we'll catch you on the next Wiki Review. Find Humidor on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and at humidor.com.au. Theme is I Live for the Bass Drum by DJ Searle. All other music by Matt Graw. 
Ho, ho, ho. 